Lots of channels, nothing to watch, especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel, straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on Local Now, Channel 525. This is your source for breaking news and what to make of it all. This is the Mike Gallagher Show. What are the Democrats so afraid of? Are they afraid of democracy? They don't want to have somebody on the ballot because they don't think they can beat him fair and square, so they knock him off the ballot? Adams' biggest threat is to his left. There are a lot of people in New York City who feel like he isn't far left enough. The mainstream media's polling narrative, having me just in the high single digits in Iowa, we're going to shatter that. I think we have a good shot at winning the Iowa caucus. And now, sitting in for Mike today in the ReliefFactor.com studios, here's Lee Elsie. The last official show of 2023. I am honored to get a chance to hang out with you on the uh, the Great Salem Radio Network, the ReliefFactor.com studios, filling in for Mike Gallagher. you got to call me today. I, I think this is going to be an amazing show. 800-655-MIKE. That's 800-655-6453. I do want to get to as many phone calls as we can. But what a story that broke last night. Ladies and gentlemen, brace yourself for yet another stunning display of liberal overreach without the formality of being convicted of an actual crime of insurrection, yet another state has decided to kick the former president off of the ballot. Who needs due process? Who needs rule of law when you can just conveniently sideline your political opponents with signing a a document saying, no, 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 you're not allowed to be on the ballot today. Maine's Democrat Secretary of State, Shana Bellows, has in a shockingly biased decision disqualified former President Trump from the state's 2024 primary ballot. This is a woman who is highly partisan, a political wannabe. This is going to be thrown out by the Supreme Court nine to nothing, or it should be. But just imagine the gall of someone, a secretary of state, to take it on herself to eliminate the president from being on the ballot. What's the basis for this move? The 14th Amendment? The insurrection ban, which was put together so General Lee couldn't be president back when slavery was part of America? Are we nuts? By the way, just in case you were wondering, the 14th Amendment... No person shall be a senator or a representative in Congress or elected a president, vice president, hold any office, civil or military, under the United States or under any state law who has previously taken an oath as a member of Congress or as an officer of the United States or as a member of any state legislature or as an executive or a judicial officer of any state to support the Constitution of the United States 
shall have engaged in an insurrection or rebellion against the same or given aid or comfort to the enemies thereof, but Congress may vote by two-thirds of each house to remove such disability. That's the 14th Amendment. That's what they're hanging their hat on, this, this insanity. And it's just going to help Trump in the end. It's just going to rally the troops even further. Uh, they are so, they being the Democrats, are so stupid. You just keep fueling the fire that is Trump. This decision, again, pending a, uh, it's going to be appealed, of course. It's the second state to disqualify Trump, although Colorado seems to reverse that decision. So, again, surprise, surprise, a Democrat takes a swing at a Republican. Dem- democracy at its finest. Let's see if we can. Let's, uh, let's play cut one, Maine Secretary of State. Uh, it's a very detailed decision. Uh, we lay out uh, why under Maine law, the Secretary of State has the authority, indeed the obligation. I'm duty-bound to make this determination. Uh, we also, I rather, um, laid out that the record demonstrates that, in fact, the events of January 6, 2021, which were unprecedented and tragic, uh, were an insurrection uh, in the meaning of Section 3 of the 14th Amendment. And finally, uh, in reviewing the facts presented, the evidence, uh, the law, the history, um, we determined uh, under Section 3 of the 14th Amendment that Mr. Trump engaged in insurrection and therefore was disqualified. Never officially charged with insurrection, never convicted of insurrection, and this Secretary of State of the, isn't Maine the potato state? That doesn't sound right. Anyway, of Maine, decides to bump the former president from the process of becoming the president of the United States. Takes it on herself. Makes that decision. It is unprecedented. Imagine this, this group of hypocrites taking this assumed higher ground when they celebrated someone like Hillary Clinton and her constant manipulation of the system, her treachery, whitewater to her wiped emails. This liberal agenda marching on, fueled by this determination to enforce a constitutional provision designed, according to them, to, them, to protect the country from anti-democratic insurrectionists put together because they were afraid some of the leadership when the time slavery was around was going to take over. It is an attack a flat-out frontal assault on democracy. Now, it's going to get thrown out, right? It, it almost makes you think, what is wrong with these people? How stupid can you be? Can we play uh, Ari Fleischer? Fox News. What are the Democrats so afraid of? Are they afraid of democracy? They don't want to have somebody on the ballot because they don't think they can beat him fair and square, so they knock him off the ballot. Look, Trace, this is so anti-democratic. I hope the Supreme Court strikes this down. But this is the violation of the norms, and you can't complain that Trump violates the norms when the Democrats go out and do the exact same thing, even worse in this instance, themselves. i got to try to calm down because I'm just getting getting started here. And uh, who knows, this could, <laughs> this could lead me to have a bit of a, an aneurysm of sort. It, it's... It is so anti-democratic what they are doing. Everything that they have done against this man 
from the onset. It's weaponized judiciary departments. It, it, it's absolute, utter. It's tyranny is what it is. Guilt by association in their eyes. The evidence, according to Bellows, establishes that Trump used a false narrative of an election fraud to incite violence. Never proven. If you're telling me that this was something that he was charged with and convicted in a state, now you've got something. They've got nothing. Nothing on this. Democrat and Democrats in blue states are recklessly and unconstitutionally spending or, or suspending the civil rights of American voters by attempting to remove President Trump's name from these ballots. So we're witnessing this debacle as we watch it unfold. Don't lose sight of the principles that should guide our democracy. The circus is officially in town, and it's not entertaining. I'm not entertained anymore. I now have become to the, I've gotten to the point where it's time for Americans to rise up, and I'm not saying that in a, in a violent way. But this current administration is using its influence and power to take the freedom and the right to vote out of your hands. You should be furious about that. You should be absolutely unhinged, out of your mind, furious. The number to call is 800-655-MIKE, 800-655-6453, MikeOnline.com. You can watch. You can watch me on MikeOnline.com. Today I'm wearing a nice blue blazer. Everyone made fun of my purple tie yesterday, so off we go. We'll be right back, ladies and gentlemen. It's an honor to sit in this chair on the Mike Gallagher Show. Is the United States becoming a police state? Dinesh D'Souza's new movie, Police State, answers that question. It's his timeliest and most eye-opening film yet. Watch it today at SalemNow.com. MyPillow is having their biggest sheet sale of the year. You've helped MyPillow become one of the most extraordinary success stories in America today. Well, now Mike Lindell wants to give back exclusively to you, a Mike Gallagher listener. The Percale and Giza Dream Bed Sheet sets are available in a variety of colors and sizes, and they're on sale now for as low as $29.98 with our listener promo code MikeG. Order today because when they're gone, they're gone. The Percale and Giza Dream Sheets are breathable. They have a cool, crisp feel made from the finest cotton on earth. Comes with a 10-year warranty, a 60-day money-back guarantee. Don't miss out on this amazing offer. There's a limited supply, so be sure to order today. Get them while they're hot. Call 800-928-6034. 800-928-6034. Use the promo code MikeG or call 800-928-6034. 800-928-6034. Or go to MyPillow.com. Look for the Mike Gallagher Radio Special Square. Click on that box. And with anything you order, be sure to enter the promo code MikeG. MyPillow.com. Promo code MikeG. MyPillow.com. Promo code Mike G, or call 800-928-6034, like we love to sing. For the best night's sleep in the whole wide world, visit MyPillow.com. Promo code Mike G. The Mike Gallagher Show. You know, they, I think that the general theme of my speech was this corrupt merger of state and corporate power, which is turning our country into a corporate kleptocracy, into a system of cushy socialism for the rich and this kind of brutal, um, merciless capitalism for the poor. 
Uh, it keeps us in a state of war. It bails out banks. In the ReliefFactor.com studios, here's Mike. All right, my name is Lee Elsie filling in for Mike Gallagher today, the last official uh, show of 2023. So it's an honor to get a chance to do that. So I am bringing on a guest now that is a regular mainstay on my show here in Connecticut. He is one of the most popular people that we bring on by far, actually by far. And um, he's a former congressman. He is a former CIA agent. He is uh, a Vietnam veteran. There is nothing that he has not either seen or done or gone through or accomplished. And I'm proud to get a chance to call him my friend. And his name is Colonel Rob Simmons joining us today. Rob, how are you today, my hey. friend? Well, uh, Lee, thanks very much for inviting me on the show with that kind of a introduction there's no way i can be successful but what the hell we'll just have uh, 15 minutes of fun and leave it at that well that, <laughs> and, that sounds good uh, by the way I've, I've i've been listening to the show and um uh one of your callers uh he got it right what what are the democrats afraid of well it's clear they're they're afraid of democracy and and there's nothing new about this, but, you know, taking somebody off of a ballot to deny the people the right to make a choice, e- even even the people who might want to vote against Donald Trump don't have a choice to vote against him because his name's not on the ballot. <clears throat> so this is this is an absurd situation, but it is a reflection of what the Democrats have been doing to Donald Trump ever since he came down the staircase in New York City. Uh, this this goes back to the Clinton administration, the Clinton campaign, the DNC, uh, where the Clinton plan was to accuse Donald Trump of being a Russian agent. And that, and that was the plan. And And if anybody doubts it, They've got to go to the Durham report. And in the Durham report, uh, on page uh, uh, 78 through 85, there's a whole section that details the Clinton plan to pin Donald Trump with being a Russian agent. And, And that plan was a political plan. It was cooked up by Democrat politicians. It was actually briefed to Barack Obama, Joe Biden, by uh, Brennan of the CIA, Comey of the FBI, uh, Justice Department was aware of it. And that took place actually during the campaign before the election. And when Trump won the election, they continued the assault with the Mueller investigation. So, So the Democrats have been afraid of this guy from day one. They have worked against this guy from day one. They have characterized his supporters as deplorable or even worse, domestic terrorists. When the protest on January 6th got out of hand, and it did, it was terrible what happened. I, I worked uh, in the, uh, on the Capitol for uh, 14 years, six as a congressman, seven, as a, uh, seven and a half as a staff person. So what, you know, what went on there was not pretty. It wasn't nice. I've seen a lot of ugly things up on Capitol Hill, but, but, but that was, uh, except for 9-11, which, which was terrifying because uh, we figured the, they were going to hit the Capitol with Flight 93. Except for that, the, that, that event was, was an ugly event. It wasn't pretty. But you know what? It wasn't an insurrection. 
an insurrection does not involve a guy with a with a with a fur coat and horns and a and a flag and a bunch of people breaking windows. That's just not what an insurrection is. So so they have been after this guy since day one. And and after the election was over, they have done their very best to accuse him of a variety of things uh, in a variety of venues, uh, not very successfully. And I think that this you pointed out uh, in your monologue, that every time the Democrats do one of these dirty tricks, and that's what we call it in politics or in the CIA, CIA, same thing, dirty tricks, but but we would use dirty tricks against our enemies, not our own people. The Democrats are using their dirty tricks against their own people, and that's the difference. Uh, but, you know, whenever they've done this to Trump, it seems to have backfired. And now taking him off the ballot in Colorado and Maine, and I guess there are 13 or 14 other states that are considering taking him off the ballot. This is uh, This is highly unusual. It's highly undemocratic. I wish I could say it's unprecedented. But I can't say it's unprecedentedly. Yeah. And you and I know because we've discussed this. Why is it not unprecedented? Well, it happened to Abraham Lincoln. It happened to Abraham Lincoln in 1860. In in 1860, Lincoln was the Republican candidate. He was supported by northern Republicans who were anti-slavery and northern Democrats who were anti-slavery. And he won the electoral vote based on his uh, his capturing the northern states. But where were the Democrats? Where were the Democrats in, in 1860? Well, you had John De- uh, Breckinridge, who was the southern Democrat, who took, you know, from uh, South Carolina to Texas and everything in between. They were pro-slavery. Democrats were pro-slavery. Lincoln, they were afraid of. Now, he said he wanted to stop the extension of slavery, but when he was a member of Congress, he introduced a bill to eliminate slavery from the District of Columbia. The bill didn't pass. Of course, the Democrats voted against it. They did not want to get rid of slavery in the nation's capital. Lincoln did. But they knew that he had done that bill. And so when he became a candidate against the extension of slavery in the new states, they, they, you know, they, they knew what he was up to. They knew that ultimately this was going to be an issue over slavery. So Southern Democrats voted for Breckinridge to sustain a slave system in America. Northern Republicans and Democrats voted for Lincoln. And then you had uh, uh, John Bell and uh, Lincoln and and uh, Lincoln Douglas, I think, what was his name? I forget. But anyway, it doesn't matter. They they got a marginal bunch of electoral votes. But I can, I can just see somebody at the Democrat National Committee saying, what are we going to do about Trump? You know, we, he's going up in the polls and, and you know, we're suing him in New York and we got him in Georgia and we're doing these all of these uh, prosecutions and lawsuits and he's, he's still winning. And somebody said, I have an idea. Let's let's do let's do what we did in 1860. <laughs> Remember? Let's just get him off the ballot, because he was not on the ballot in the southern states, Texas, Florida, Georgia, South Carolina, et cetera, et cetera. He was not on the ballot. Now, the question is, how'd that work out? Well, that's not, well, not too well for them. It didn't work out, did it? <laughs> no, no, it no, did not. Because, because the Democrats were divided. Uh, northern, many northern Democrats were anti-slavery. And so they sided with Lincoln. He won the electoral vote. He won the election. But it was it was an example of a dirty trick that took place in 1860, 
Uh, and here we are, 160 years later, right. uh, up to the same old dirty tricks. Right. Now, now the real question that I have, when you look at the 14th Amendment, and you characterize it very clearly, you say, look, this was done after the Civil War is over. It was to prevent Confederate officers who had previously sworn a, uh, an oath to support the, the, the Constitution, that federal government, uh, to prevent them from coming back. And, and getting involved once again in politics and maybe undermining the outcome of the Civil War. And so there's a reason why you have Section 3 and um, Amendment 14. Right. Uh, there's a reason for that. We understand that. But, but here's what's not clear from reading the amendment. Who decides who's disqualified? Well, it's supposed to be Congress, right? Isn't it supposed to be Congress? Well, is it the state officials? Because right now, state officials are saying they're qualified. Right. And then uh, others say, well, maybe it's legislative bodies, which would include the Congress. Right. Uh, others say the courts. And and here's another thing. Is there, in the case of Donald Trump, is there due process? Has a court <clears throat> somewhere, a court, uh, judged him? to have committed insurrection. I mean, in, in the Colorado, they have declared it. They've declared that he uh, committed insurrection. And Maine, uh, the, the attorney general in Maine, has made that declaration. It's a statement. But, but was there due process of the law? Was he convicted by any court or, or any um, body uh, after a series of hearings? Uh, not really. I don't, I don't see it. And and so somebody like Alan Dershowitz comes out and correctly says he has never seen a decision that is so anti-democratic. That's what he's saying about the Colorado decision, and never seen a decision that is so anti-democratic. And and Turley, uh, who's a Fox News contributor and a, an attorney and and law professor, says uh, it's dead wrong. It's just it's just dead wrong. So so what do we do about it? And you you made comment, well, okay, we've got to rise up. Well, we've got to be careful um, uh, because the people will mischaracterize our words. But what we can do is what the Colorado Republicans say they're going to do. They say if, in fact, the the decision of the Colorado Supreme Court is sustained um, and and the they keep him off the ballot because there's no primary – well, we'll have a con well, we won't have a convention. We'll have a caucus. Right. So there are other venues that we can pursue. I don't think it's going to come to that. I don't believe that's going to be the case. I believe the Supreme Court, even though it has very political members, I think the Supreme Court really has has little choice on the merits other than to throw this out and just say this is not the right way to do it. And and let's say that they don't make that decision. What is to prevent every red state in America from then taking Biden off the ballot? Right. No question. They could you do know, it. what's good for the goose is good for the gander. Absolutely. Uh, what's to prevent that? And if, in fact, that, that happens, we are essentially engaged in a political civil war. The voice you hear, America, is... civil war is Colonel Rob Simmons, and he's a friend of my show, one of the most popular people we bring on. I've been begging him forever uh, to write a book. Rob, we're not, we don't have a lot of time left, literally like two or three minutes. And I know you went to Harvard, and I, I don't know, can you give, me a, give us the 90-second version 
of uh, of your Harvard experience and, and what you make of it today? Well, first of all, Lee, uh, you just blew my cover by saying I work for the CIA. <laughs> now you're telling the audience, who, who maybe some of them liked what I had to say, you're yeah. telling them I'm a Harvard guy? They what are you trying lefty. to do, destroy me on the show? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Let's make it clear. I am not a Harvard man. I went to graduate school at Harvard. And as a graduate student at Harvard uh, back during the Vietnam era, I was a returning Vietnam veteran. I, I wanted to learn more about Asia, so I studied Chinese. And I couldn't understand why my Chinese teacher at Harvard was, was giving me such a hard time. She said, well, you know, your pronunciation is no good. Your grammar is no good. And you don't remember the, uh, the vocabulary. And, and she, she, she gave me a C uh, in the course, which for a graduate student, that's you're, you, you flunked you're out. Done. You're, you're, you're done. Go- you're done. You're done. I had nothing but A's <laughs> in all my other courses. And then she gives me a C. Yeah. I said, why are you doing this to me? And you know what she said? She said, if I teach you Chinese, maybe you will use Chinese in the Army to kill my people. Oh, gosh. All right. Rob, listen, I got to jump in, man. I, I, I love talking to you, but we're, we're out of time. I got to I gotta go. Thank you, buddy. I talk to you later. I appreciate it. The great Colonel Rob Simmons. Uh, he is literally one of the best. All right, let's do this. Phone calls next, 800-655-MIKE. Line up. Let's call. Let's talk about this and everything else. Stick around. Watch the Mike Gallagher Show anywhere, anytime on the Salem News Channel app. Download it on your favorite device today and take Mike wherever you go. Stream anywhere on any device. The Mike Gallagher Show on TV right in your pocket. Portions of the following program may contain pre-recorded material. This is your source for breaking news and what to make of it all. This is the Mike Gallagher Show. What are the Democrats so afraid of? Are they afraid of democracy? They don't want to have somebody on the ballot because they don't think they can beat him fair and square, so they knock him off the ballot? Adams' biggest threat is to his left. There are a lot of people in New York City who feel like he isn't far left enough. The mainstream media's polling narrative, having me just in the high single digits in Iowa, we're going to shatter that. I think we have a good shot at winning the Iowa caucus. And now, sitting in for Mike today in the ReliefFactor.com studios, here's Lee Elsie. All right, let's get right to it. we got a lot to get to, not a lot of time. And, again, you can watch us online at MikeOnline.com. You can get in uh, line to call or get up on the air. It's 800-655-MIKE. It's 800-655-6453. And I promise, I know there have been people waiting a long time. I promise I'll get to you in a second. But... I want to sort of get off the beaten path here for a second. and I have something I got to get off my chest and it's about social media. You know, radio, talk radio, conservatives are constantly under attack. I'm under attack. So it's time for me to literally let my hair down and get a little loud. Let's talk just for a little bit about this digital dance, which encompasses that mirrored reflection of our society's darkest corners. That raw sewage that makes up social media. Not all social media, but a lot of social media. 
Imagine for a moment the entirety of the media drowning in a sea of unintelligent chatter and endless droning. The last bastion for the heroically self-centered underachiever hiding out in the shadows, that is social media. We all use it. I use it. I'm being slightly hypocritical. I get it, right? I am one of the talking heads that uses social media. I spend time on it. Have to. But honest to God, truth, social media is America's dumpster fire. It's the ultimate haven for the intellectually compromised. The marginalized minds of the mental misfits who've erroneously tethered their souls thinking somehow that they are similar to Shakespeare in what they say. The wit, the humor exhibited is that clear last bastion of the lowest common denominator of humanity. Trolls, 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 more trolls. It's a never-ending parade of negativity. Keyboard warriors armed only with this inane drivel of unimaginative criticism. I picture these pathetic men and women cursed into a life of isolation and ambiguous solitude, feverishly typing their feeble brand of statistic, sadistic humor, all while bravely wearing their Black Lives Matter t-shirt while they're eating a, a meatball grinder, all happening in their mom's basement. This legion of cowards fed by the morality of a destitute society that again, the keyboard warriors somehow have become conquering heroes. They hate that spills out from Facebook and Instagram and Twitter is immeasurable. It's not the right that's filled with hate. It's the progressive left that's filled with hate. The right has men and women who stand up for what they believe in, who stand by their words. I get behind this microphone. Mike gets behind his microphone, and we let it out. Not hiding in the shadows like the keyboard warriors. Communications through social media in today's modern America is ruled by the Democrat, liberal, left's insatiable appetite for the destruction of civil discourse. Period. End of story. Social media is the vast wasteland of mindless, soulless zeros. In fact, my new nickname used to be a Black Sabbath song. Social media is made up of zero the heroes. Let's grab some calls. Let's go to Dan first, who's been waiting the longest out in Long Island. Dan, what's on your mind? Uh, Hey, Lee. Thanks for fitting me into the big time. Um, I just wanted to say I had a pretty unique, or not unique, but a front row seat to the Patriot movement back in the 90s, and, um, you know, which was church centric uh, for a multitude of reasons, which is another story. But back then, there were groups that, you know, were concerning. There were some white supremacist groups. There were fascist groups. There were other things in there. In fact, there's a famous picture of Randy Weaver uh, wearing a Say No to Zog T-shirt. And Zog means Zionist-occupied government, right? So there was this sort of anti-Semitic conspiracy theory thing, this, uh, this, this Christian identity, white supremacist sort of fringe element uh, that was involved back then. And it's amazing that now all I hear from the left is about Zionism and how the Zionists are in control of the government. 
and how they're how they're Jews in Israel aren't the real Jews. They're from Britain and from Europe and all these other things. And it's coming from the left. It's coming from a very, very fascist element of the left, which is baffling to me how they've co-opted fascism. And it's just so strange to me to see the left that used to stand up and defend First Amendment rights and used to stand on the Constitution and say, you know, the, the man is trying to take away our rights. And and now that they're in power, these these lefty hippies from back in the 60s are all in power. They are the most fascist breed of government that I have ever witnessed in all of these years that I've been paying attention to it. And we've had some real humdinger, bad administrations. Clinton comes to mind. Obama was no treat. He had full cover of the press, obviously, at the time. So no, so none of his uh, corruption came out. Uh, but look at this government now. I mean, they're literally from the top trying to take away the rights of citizens to vote. They're trying to stop. You have them infiltrating first, you know, infiltrating social media that, that you so appropriately put it to try to stop people's voices from being heard using bots to attack people that are on social media trying to uh, share their ideas. I never saw such an upside down group of people in my life like that, which is called the Democrat Party, supposed to be for the little guy, supposed to be for freedom, supposed to be, you know, defending them against the ty tyrannies of government. And they are the most tyrannical fascist group of people I've ever seen in power. This one that we have right now. And I don't think there's hardly anybody out there that would disagree with anything <laughs> that I just had to say, especially no, on the right. I think, you know, it's been a, f and Dan, you know, great, by the way, great call as always. And I uh, thank you for listening out in Long Island. Uh, Dan's one of our regulars and uh, we appreciate him uh, calling in on the national stage because he's very bright, very smart and articulate and all that goes along with that. But it's almost like a flip-flop, right? I mean, the, the illusion of a flip-flop because the Republicans, conservatives never were for any of the things that the Democrats are doing now. But now the, de the Democrats accuse them of being that way. But now it's the Dems who are actually fulfilling their own prophecies about fascism and the devastating, I guess, assault on democracy. Let us go. I think it's uh, I think Mike's been waiting the longest. Let's go back to Detroit. We'll take one more call before we take a break. Mike, how are you? Oh, good, good. You know, I, I just wonder where, where's the Republicans' outrage at this 14th Amendment scam? I mean, the Civil War was the ultimate, you know, white supremacist uprising and the, the ultimate, um, you know, uh, institutionalized racism was slavery, I would say, just out of hand. And Republicans, mostly white males, took 800,000 casualties during the Civil War, killed or seriously injured, and another 1,200 you know, murdered by the terrorist arm of the Democratic Party during Reconstruction. I mean, these Democrats are trying to transfer their guilt and responsibility for that horrendous era of, uh, of the evil empire of slavery they created onto the Republican Party. It's outrageous. You know, Nikki Haley was walking on eggshells oh. <clears throat> talking about the Civil War. I, I would be outraged if I was a Republican, and I am a Republican, and, I, you know, I know the history of my family. And they, we took a lot of casualties, right. you know, being slavery and defending the republic. I just don't understand where the outrage is. You know, it's, uh, you know, I know my family's history, and right. it just really is outrageous. 
Listen, great call. Can we play cut eight? I want to play uh, Nikki Haley if we can, just to get that out there. I wanted to talk about this eventually today, but if we can get to cut eight. What was the cause of the United States Civil War? Well, don't come with an easy question or anything. I mean, I think the cause of the Civil War was basically how government was going to run, the freedoms and what people could and couldn't do. Uh, it's simple to me. I've watched this a number of times. She was trying to be, I think she was trying to be clever and not upset the apple cart and not anger people from her own state. But man, I know there were a lot of mitigating factors to the Civil War, but it was fought for slavery, period. Say it. It's an easy answer. All right. My name is Lee Elsie. We have another segment. We could take some calls, so I'd love to do that. We'll talk to America. We can do that. 800-655-MIKE. Bottom of the hour. I'm bringing on somebody who has an inspirational story, and I'm just going to let her tell it and get out of the way. One that I think is a great way to wrap up the new year, as this is the last live show of 2023, and I'm honored to be the the one behind the microphone today. We'll take a, a short time out. Continue to listen. It's the Mike Gallagher Show. Want to know what happened this week? Subscribe to the Mike Gallagher Show Week in Review. Every important event and conversation of the week, all in one podcast. Find it at MikeOnline.com, SalemPodcastNetwork.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. New episodes every Friday. Subscribe today and never miss the Mike Gallagher Show Week in Review. The Mike Gallagher Show. They created a devil that was so big and so vast it made all actions permissible. And it made every institution, as, as the judge was saying, subject to suspicion, right? So you can bury stories, you can create hoaxes, you can fund smears. It can go anywhere because this person must be stopped. It's Hitler, an existential threat. And so what happens is now we're left... And none of it's true. In the ReliefFactor.com studios, here's Mike. My name is Lee Elsie filling in for Mike Gallagher on the last live show of 2023. I can't believe 2024 is actually here. Before we get to our guest, again, it had to happen. Today's the final weekday of 2023, which means the final chance to remind you of Mike's campaign to help fully fund prison fellowship programs throughout 2024. And that includes... The awesome Prison Fellowship Academy, which goes into prisons and helps men like DeMarcus. When he was younger, DeMarcus was lured by the money and the jewelry and the cars. At age 14, sells drugs and eventually ended up in prison, sentenced to 17 years. When Prison Fellowship Academy came to his correctional facility, DeMarcus signed up. It led him to accept Jesus. And he even signed his sons up for the Angel Tree Christmas program. Lives are literally changed for eternity, but remember the work of Prison Fellowship only happens through your donations. Your gifts make them possible by helping break that cycle of crime. If you still like to make a donation and get a great year in tax deduction in the process, just head over to MikeOnline.com and click on the last chance for a year end gift banner. The Angel Tree Christmas always has a special project on Mike's calendar because he has such a big heart for kids uh, with a mom and dad in prison. So thank you for helping the show and thank you. Uh, again, for the love of Christ or your generous gifts to our friends at 
prison fellowship by going online at mikeonline.com and clicking the last chance for a year end gift banner. So do that if you can today. That leads us to our next guest. I, uh, I got a chance to talk to her on the air. One of my listeners, daily listeners, said, you have to hear this woman, and you got to hear her story. Okay, so I get those emails a lot, and uh, I reached out to our next guest, Christina Bennett, and I, uh, I asked her if she would come on my radio show. And the, the story she told, thousands and thousands of people reached out. I'm telling you, we had more emails about this story than any other story we've ever had on the air and uh, Christina Bennett is here to to talk to us. And just, you know, uh, Christina, first, thank you for coming on. I appreciate it very, very much. Appreciate you being with us. And I, oh, I wanted, I'm happy to be here. Yeah. First, let's do this. Let's first tell everybody where they can find out more about you, and then we'll do that again at the end. Sure. I am a correspondent for Live Action News, and you can find information about me on the liveaction.org website, okay. also christinabennett.com. And my social media is Black Pro Life Woman for Instagram. Okay, all right. So I, I'm going to get out of your way. I, like you have like a good ten minute block of time, and I obviously I'll ask questions along the way if if I want to jump sure. in. But your story I think is one to end the year. I can't think of a better story to tell. So if you don't mind telling everybody exactly about Christina Bennett. Absolutely. So as you shared, my name is Christina Bennett, and I am from Connecticut. And growing up in Connecticut, I was growing up in a very progressive, very pro-abortion environment. Even in high school, I remember friends getting abortions and not having to even tell their parents because Connecticut still does not require parental notification for minors seeking abortions. So if you're a minor and you want to go get a tattoo or you want to get your ears pierced, you have to get parental notification or parental consent. But in Connecticut, you can go get an abortion at 14, 15, 16 years old and not even notify your parents. And so I grew up in that kind of environment, and abortion was never talked about in my home. I never heard a message about it at church. And even at school, going to public school, I'd only heard about it being a woman's right. So everything changed dramatically for me when I got to college. I visited church, and someone approached me and said, God wants you to know something remarkable happened around the time of your birth. Now, I've had a lot of people approach me in my life and and share different messages with me or encouraging words, but something about that really stuck with me because they said that God wanted me to know that something remarkable had happened around the time of my birth. So I decided to go ask my mom and I asked her, you know, did anything special happen around my birth? And she had this scared expression on her face. And she looked at me and said, yes, before you were born, I met an angel, but I don't want to talk to you about it. Now, I didn't know what to do with this because my mom had never in her life said anything like this. She had never said that she had any kind of supernatural encounters. We were Christians. We went to church, but she had never said anything about an angel encounter. But she also was very serious when she said, I don't want to talk to you about it. So I actually left it alone. And again, I was in college. So I went away on a summer ministry trip with Campus Crusade for Christ. It was a campus Christian group. And I worked with the Boys and Girls Club. I did a lot of summer ministry work. And I journaled. I was in Kentucky for the summer. And I said, when I get back home, I'm going to ask my mom. And so I got back home and I asked her again, Mom, what do you mean you met an angel before I was born? And she said, you would hate me. I can't tell you. 
And so now I knew it was basically now or never. I had to confront her and I had to know the secret that she was holding from me. But I could tell that she was very afraid to open up and tell me. And so I assured her, mom, I love you. You can tell me anything. I'm not going to hold it against you. And she opened up and she said, before you were born, I had scheduled to abort you. Now, I always knew that I was born out of wedlock. And I knew that story, but I didn't know the details. And my mom began to share that when she was preg- when she got pregnant with me, my dad already had two kids from two different women, and he didn't want another child. And they had a unhealthy relationship, and it was toxic. And so there was a lot of pressure and coercion for her to have that abortion. But she actually was going to a church at the time. And so she went to her mentor, hoping to have some compassion. She knew she messed up. She knew she was sinning. She wasn't supposed to be having sex outside of marriage. But when she went to her mentor and told her, I'm pregnant, the mentor said, if you come back to this church, I'll be the first person to put my foot in the door and not let you in. So my mom was devastated. She had the pressure and the coercion from my father. And now she had this mentor who basically told her, your sin is too great. You're not welcome in this church anymore. And so she went to get an abortion. She went to Mount Sinai Hospital in Hartford, Connecticut in 1981. And she met with the counselor, but the counselor didn't actually give her any counsel. She just looked at her and said, well, this seems like the best decision for you to make. And she took her money and she put her in a white hospital robe and she was told to just go wait in the waiting room and the doctor will call your name. But miraculously, She'd pause for a moment between the counselor's office and the waiting room, and she sat for a second in the hallway, and she began to gently cry. And in that moment, she was encountered. In that moment, there was an elderly African-American janitor who saw her crying, who walked up to her, who lifted up her chin and looked her in the eyes and said, do you want to have this baby? And even though my mom was in that hospital robe, she'd already paid for the abortion, She looked into her eyes and she said her eyes were like pools of water. So when she said, do you want to have this baby? My mother said, yes. And the janitor said, then God will give you the strength. My mom said she put her head down and she estimates maybe 30 seconds. She put her head back up and the woman was gone. And she was so surprised because she thought, how did she get around the corner that quickly? I mean, she had equipment and and she's an elderly lady. How did she make it around the corner? But she really didn't have time to think about it. So she got up. And she went into the waiting room to collect her stuff. But it was then that the abortionist called her name. Her name is Andrea. And so he called her name Andrea. She went into his office. And the first thing that she saw was that he hadn't cleaned up the blood from the last baby that he had killed through abortion. So the blood of the last baby was on the floor. And she was disgusted. And she said, I have changed my mind. I'm leaving. And he said, no. He said, you've already paid for this. And that goes to show you where his mindset was. And again, she said, no, I I changed my mind. I want to keep my baby. And he said, no, you're just nervous. You're just nervous. You can get through this. And she said, no, I, I changed my mind. And then he yelled at her and said, don't leave this room. And she ran out. She ran out. She gathered her stuff. She changed in a small bathroom and she left. She called my dad on the payphone and she told him that she didn't go through with it. And to my dad's credit, they got married. They tried to make it work. Their marriage only lasted about a year, but they tried their best. And then after that, my mom just, she held that secret in her heart for over 20 years and she was never going to tell me, but God wanted me to know. And he wanted me to know because it was my life calling to follow in the footsteps of that janitor. 
And when I found that story out, it was the beginning of me becoming a pro-life advocate. And now I've been doing pro-life work for close to 20 years. I've heard that story. That's the third time I've heard you tell it. Every time I, I, I get emotional. It's a, an amazing story. And I think the first time Thank I you. asked you, I was like, that, you actually had a, I really firmly believe you were, your mom was, you know, had this, that divine intervention that, that actually is yes. the reason why. Yeah. And that's the why you're sitting here talking to me today. It's a miracle, man. It's a miracle. It absolutely is. And it had to be divine to pull me out of just what was normal for my family. You know, for me to be a pro-life voice, for me to be a conservative that votes pro-life, for me to do all these things, no one in my family is like that. And from, you know, me coming from Connecticut, coming from such a pro-abortion state, not only did God save my life in a miraculous way, but then he told me in a miraculous way as well. So it absolutely got my attention to the point where I said, you know, I'm changing my whole life. I am going to school for, you know, this particular degree and I have this path in front of me, but I'm going to become a pro-life advocate. And I couldn't have told you the name of one pro-life advocate. I knew nothing about the pro-life movement. And so it really took that radical supernatural encounter, not only to save my life, but also to put me on this path that I've been on ever since. Christina Bennett is her name, and I, I just really wanted her to share that story. I can't think of a better way to wrap up 2023 than to have that story be told over the entire country, all of Mike's great listeners, to get a chance to hear that story from you, Christina. Now, you're, you're going you know, place to place speaking to different, you know, you know, different groups. So can you give me like 90 seconds on exactly what it is that you do day in and day out? Sure. So I work for Live Action News as a news correspondent. So I do media interviews and various things, events. I also speak across the country at pregnancy resource centers, at banquets. I've been to the White House. I was able to meet you know, President Trump once in the Oval Office and share my story. I've been to Congress twice and I've testified before Congress in regards to pro-life legislation. So I really just go wherever God calls me to. And if anyone out there wants me to come speak at their church or an event, just please reach out. ChristinaBennett.com is my website because I go wherever the Lord leads me. What was Trump's reaction when you told the story? Well, we gathered with a few different people who had similar experiences. Either they survived an abortion, like my friend Melissa Odin, or my own story. And he was very receptive. And his whole team at the time, when we met in the Oval Office, they, they actually treated us just a lot better than I'm treated in Connecticut. I'll put it that way. Well, that's for sure. Christina, listen, thank you so much for coming on. Christina Bennett is her name. Thank you again for sharing that story. I appreciate you very much. Have a great day and a great new year, okay? You're welcome. God bless. Thank you. All right. right. There you go. I told you that would give you chills. Give me chills again. All right. Listen, we'll come back. We've got, again, another opportunity. This is just a, let me just say this. I, I love that story. I love the message behind it. And again, if you you got to take something away from that for sure. Quick break. We'll come back. You're listening to The Mike Gallagher Show. Is the United States becoming a police state? Dinesh D'Souza's new movie, Police State, answers that question. It's his timeliest and most eye-opening film yet. Watch it today at SalemNow.com. 